1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 13, it says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others have, have, who have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive remain shall be caught up together. And that caught up that I talked about it last time. People say, well, there's no such word as rapture in the, in the Bible. You don't see it in the Bible. It's not really true. But that caught up word there in the, in the Latin is rapturo. And that's where we get the word rapture from. Okay, so that's, we're going to be caught up. And it's a violent snatching is what the, actually the definition is. So it's going to be like, a, whoosh, you're gone. It's not going to be like a, you know, kind of floating up, waving, hey, see you guys. It's not going to be that at all. You're going to be whoosh, gone. It's going to be like in a second, not even a second. You're just going to be taken up really quickly. So we're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord at that point. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And that's why I read that, because we're going to go into verse 1 of chapter 5, and it says, but... Concerning the time, so as we go in through the rapture, all this stuff has happened, and, and Paul is, is, is you know, exhorting you know, the church at Thessalonica here. He says, and he's, he's talked about some difficult subjects here. And as he's moving now into chapter 5, he says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, and then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in the darkness, so that is the day should overtake you as a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the, light, of the, we are not of the night or of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. And whether we wake or we sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as also as you are doing. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning and the opportunity, um, even as we have prayed earlier this morning, God, to come into your presence, Lord, to come into this sanctuary. And as I've prayed many times before, Lord, there, there are all different kinds of people in here this morning. Lord, there are some that have come in this morning and um, are, are grieving. Lord, there, there's been a loss, Lord, or there's, there's an economic trouble in their life. Um, Father, there's a relationship that's fractured. There's a job that's a problem. There's, um, Lord, we're just, we're, we're kind of, we're not really walking in here, Lord. We're crawling in here this morning. And Father God, there's other people this morning that are, they're kind of indifferent, Lord. Maybe their walk is indifferent with you. Lord, they're, they're here, but um, they've always kind of believed and I always kind of come to church, but, um, but my walk is just kind of indifferent, Lord. I'm not really sinning. I'm not really living victoriously in you as well. And so I just kind of come in here and, and I kind of gray just like it is outside this morning. Lord, maybe there's some in this morning that, that are just excited, God. Lord, they are just on fire for exactly what you are doing in their life. Lord, everything in their life is not perfect. Lord, maybe they're going through the same struggles that our others are going through, but the perspective is different, God. And Lord, as we come in your presence this morning, and as we read what Paul has, read, has written to the Thessalonica church, Father, we just pray that you would be ministering to our hearts this morning. 
that God, wherever we are at, at this point in our life, we know that the ground is level at the cross. And as we come into your presence, we pray that, as I pray, that as we go through this scripture, though, that we will be awakened, Lord, that we will be sober, that we will not walk in the darkness as the world does. We will not walk in darkness as those who have been misled in the church. That, God, that we will come into your presence and be humble. And, Father, ask for forgiveness for the things that we need to ask for forgiveness for. But, Lord, to be able to leave here and know that we are in the light, Lord, as you are in the light. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity. I pray that you are with me this morning, Lord. Give me the words to speak properly, to, to represent you and your work. And we ask this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> so going back up to verse 1, we start off by saying, But concerning these times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And again, as we talked last time that I spoke, and I think it was about a month ago at this point, and, and so the rapture, he talked about the rapture, so we're going to be yanked out of here. We're going to be pulled out of here. And this is, as a Christian, this is really what you're, this is what we're living for. If, if we're going to be alive, we are waiting for that trumpet sound. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Don had, you know, the little image up there of the light that was in the sky. It was the rocket that had taken off, and it, and it looked like an angel, and it looked like a trumpet, and he's like, I, I missed it. You know, <laughs> how did it happen? It, you know, I didn't even hear the noise. What happened? I missed it. And so, but as a Christian, as weird as it sounds, and the world's going to look at you that way, and as, as Christians, sometimes we want to temper what the Spirit is doing in our life, and we want to temper, and we want to make just the Lord bland in our life. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like, man, if I ever talk about anything that's spiritual, I'm going to be one of those crazy Christians. I, I actually believe that prayer works. Well, you can't believe that prayer works. You're, just, you're praying to an empty God. There's no God. Why would you pray? Or do you actually think that those things actually happened? Do you think that, that it rained for 40 days and that there was a boat and something? Do you believe Jonah was actually in a great fish? I mean, do you, you don't actually, you're not one of those crazy Christians. Well, at some point, we have to really answer those questions in our own faith. Forget the world of what they believe. Do you believe it? And that's the point of when you read the Bible and when you get into the scriptures like this, you know, when we consider concerning the times and the seasons, this is a block of time that we're living in. And this is a block of time that, that we have an opportunity to influence the world. And we have an opportunity to, to influence our friends and our families of truly what we believe in. But again, what do you believe in? That's the question. And it's not, it's not for me to answer what you believe in because I have my own issues of what I believe in. It's not my, my, my job to answer for my wife or for anybody else in here. You're the one who has to read your own Bible and you're the one who has to pray to your God and be able to know that those are the answers and those are the things that, that you need to believe in. Well, what do you believe in? So as, as the rapture is going to happen, happen, do you truly believe that the rapture is going to happen? Do you think that God could actually send down the archangel, a trumpet will sound out, and that you will be pulled out of here and you'll be gone? Or are you like, that's just a little bit outside? Well, see, we like the, we like the forgiveness part, and we like the God is love. You hear that God is love, you know, so forgive all the other sins. You can commit any sin that you want because God is love. Isn't that all that matters? Well, God is love. But God is also a righteous judge, isn't he? I mean, I love my children, but if they do something wrong outside of what the bounds of the house is, isn't it then love? I have to have a punishment for that, don't I? I mean, it doesn't mean I don't love my children. The fact that I punish them is because I do love them. I don't punish them just because I'm lord of the house. I mean, that would be fun, but I wouldn't have any respect at some point, you know? Sorry, John. But, um, but at some point, you have to believe what you believe in. And you have to at some point believe that, you know what, 
It's not, I, I'm actually looking forward to that day. And yes, it sounds a little weird. It's something that I, I can't even imagine what it'll sound like. But then I'm going to be raptured up. Well, then the next thing, if you want to have a mind blow, what is it going to be like when you get to heaven? I mean, do you really believe that there's a heaven? Well, Kevin, that's so far away. I don't know. You know, I can't. Well, what is it going to be like? We're going to have different bodies. We're going to have different. I mean, everything is going to be no. There's no. There's no crying. There's no weeping. There's no sorrow. There's no. I mean, everything is going to be what they're asking for later on in this this chapter. It's going to be there. It's going to be peace and safety and wonder. And you're going to walk into the presence of God and just be absolutely humbled and drop to your knees because you're going to see God finally. But as we sit here in this room, some of us are excited for that. Some of us are like, ah, not selling me, man. I don't believe it. I just, I can't, I can't believe that. You know, the world says differently and, and, and I'm not so sure that that's an actual thing that's going to happen. I'm not sure that there's an actual God but as he's telling the Thessalonians, he says, look, but concerning these times and the seasons, this time that we have, brethren, you have no need that I write you. For you yourselves know perfectly. You yourselves know perfectly well. Paul has done a good job in teaching them. He was only with them for a short time. If you go back to Acts 17, he really just had a short time that he was with them and he left. And, and, and an amazing job that he did with this church. As you've, as we've gone over the last couple of chapters, I mean, just the things that he's taught into this church. I mean, he, he brags about them constantly, about the wonderful service that they've done, the things that they've gone out, and how all the other area is boasting about them. And he says, look, about the end times, look, you guys know so well. I already know that. You're, you perfectly know what's going to happen. Well, how does he do that? Well, perfectly here means it's exactly, it's accurately. It means to live carefully, de- deviating in no respect from the law of duty. So they're, they're walking in a way that they're just, it's just, you, you perfectly know what you're supposed to be doing. You're not deviating. You're not moving away from anything. You have a complete understanding that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And what does the day of the Lord mean? Anybody know that? Day of the Lord? Day of the what? The day of the Lord returns. The day that, um, that the day of judgment, okay, this is the day that it's going to come down, okay? This is like an Old Testament type thing here. It's, it's, it's familiar in the Old Testament expression. It's, it denotes the day that when God intervenes in history to judge his enemies, deliver his people, and establish his kingdom. Okay, so he's going he's gonna to step down and say, okay, I'm going to step down into history because, again, remember, God doesn't have time. We have time because that's the only way that we'll be able to understand anything in this little finite mind that we have. We have to have an understanding of time. We have to be able to... When God is outside of time, but he's going to step into history, okay, and he's going to intervene to that, he's going to judge his enemies. He's going to then... He's going to deliver his people and he's going to establish his kingdom forever. It's going to be established. It's beginning. God's going to finally say, look, that's it. I'm done. The day of the Lord is here and I can't handle it anymore. And are we, we're going to know that time? Well, no. Because it says as a thief of the night. Do you, how many guys... Do, thieves, how do they act typically work? You know, when they're going to like rob you or they're going to do something, do they like... Do they send you a little email... Do they text you? You know, they, hey, you know, just letting you know I'm in the neighborhood. I'm going to stop by tonight and, you know, take some of your stuff. No, they don't do that. You know, they don't check your calendar and say, hey, look, could you schedule me for next Friday about 1230 at night? I'm going to stop by. They just, it doesn't happen like that, right? It's going to come as a thief in the night. That means that it's, it's, nobody knows the time. Because if he knew the time, what would you do? 
You know, if you own a gun, you'd have your gun out and you'd be ready. You'd call the police or you'd have your friends. Or, I mean, you would be awake. You'd have all the lights on in the house. You're like, dude, you're not going to rob this house because I'm going to know exactly where you are and how you're coming in. But it says that we won't know the time. We won't know anything that's going to happen. You know, it says Matthew 24, 36, but it says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels, not even the angels in heaven know when it's going to happen, but only his father in heaven. Only God knows the time that he has set up. So all these books that you buy that says the date's going to happen on this day, or this person comes out and says, hey, it's going to happen next October 19th, you know, it's going to happen on this, it, it, they don't know. I mean, unless they're God, they don't know. I mean, and I don't think they're God because... They wouldn't be worried about writing a book about it because he's already written one. So it's, it's a point of, you know, it's, God isn't going to give that information out to anybody else. So he says, look, it's going to happen when God wants it to happen. But you guys, listen, you know perfectly well the signs that are going to happen. You know to be prepared. You know to, to be able to be looking for these things. You know what's going to happen. He says, for when they say peace and safety... Then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. This is for they when they say that the they here is it's the world, okay? It's the world. When the world says, you know, that the peace and safety the, the peace and safety again is it's it's a peace and it's a harmony, you know, that makes that keeps in things safe and prosperous and safety is security from our enemies and dangers. And this is exactly what the world is constantly asking for. I mean, every time that you, every politician, you know, that comes up there or, or every United Nations event, they're always talking about how can we bring more peace and more safety? You know, how can, how can we allow these things so that there's a, that, that nothing bad ever happens to anybody? You know, and again, I'm not, I'm, you know, you're like, Kevin, what are you against that? You know, I mean, does everybody live in, in just rubbles around the world? No, I, I'm for that. But I also have the understanding that it's not going to happen. You can't have peace and safety because men and women are sinners. And, and, and we, we cause destruction. And, and as, as you go through life, you, you start seeing these things. But, the, but politically, some of the leaders that come out and they just keep making these promises that, well, nobody ever, ever will be poor. You know, and that, that there would be no wars. We're going to try to make sure that there's no wars. And we can do that by this. I went on the, I Googled it again, and um, there's a five-point way to make sure that there's peace and safety within the world. You can Google it up and look at it as well. It, it, it just, but it's, it's just not practical. Well, yeah, if you watch Star Trek and they always talk about how the world came together and there's all in unity and we go out and we build these wonderful spaceships and we head to these different planets and meet these different people, but it's all because you know, our world you know, grouped together. What a great positive thought process. But when you have sinners involved... It's just not something that's, pro- that's, that's possible. So then our, how do we do it? Our politics, we have some leaders that come out there. We have laws. We try to take away the rights for the ability to provide safety for others. So we're going to take away some of your rights so that we can give safety for everybody else. Well, what if I like my rights? You know, How is that fair to me that you're going to take away my rights to be able to give safety to somebody else? I mean, isn't that, isn't that wrong at some point? Well, that's how it happens. Well, we're going to give money to the poor. Well, you can give all the money that you want to the poor, but guess what? They're still poor, okay? Because there's no structure. There's no infrastructure for them. There's no teaching in that. We're just giving money away to people, and they're still poor. Why? Because all of this is, is, it goes around the fact that it's a heart problem. Within this, this world, the, the problem of why we have so much upheaval and problems is because it's a heart issue, I mean, the problem with America right now, if some politician were to say it, either Republican or Democrat, I don't care, um, 
if they were to say, look, the problem with the country right now is a heart issue. You want to take care of the gun problems? We'll fix the heart issue within the household. You want to take care of, uh, of, poor, of, of poverty? Take care of the heart issue within the household. You want to take care of uh, lack of education within the families? Take care of the heart problem within the household. If you started getting families back together and you started having you know, men love their wives as Christ loves the church and be humble and get down before them and do what is need- needed and you have the, the wives come alongside, but nowadays you can't even say that. Well, you can't sell me that I have to be married. Why do I have to marry that person? Why can't we just live together? You know, why can't we just do our own thing? You know, that's just an old antiquated idea, you know, that the Bible has to try to keep us down. Well, it's because then there's, there's commitment. There's commitment within a family that says, I look at my wife and go, I'm not leaving you. I'm here. And whether we go through good times or bad times or sickness and health, I, I'm by your side and we're going to get through this. Well, that's how it changes. And then you see the, the repercussions from that move forward. But nowadays, I, I work in an area <clears throat> where, where I see lots of things. <laughs> I see things that would just, you, what, that happens? Yeah, that happens. And, and, and marriage is, is not on a table. And you've got you know, women with, with three or four children. And, and, and look, I don't, I don't blame them per se, for the problems that they're at. Because again, I look at them and they're in the world and, and they don't have a knowledge of who God is and who Christ is and, and they're living as the world says that they should live. But at some point, somebody needs to stand up and say, the pro- problem is not me giving you more money or me giving you more laws to protect you. The, the problem is, is your heart and that you've, you're a sinner and that you've walked away from what God has asked you to do. It goes back to chapter 4 when you're going to live for sexual purity. Are you going to deny yourself of these things until it's in the right and proper time? Well, that's how we go back to peace and safety. But no, somebody's going to come on the scene, as John talked about a couple weeks ago, and talking about end times, and somebody's going to finally rise up in the Middle East, and he's going to be the one that's going to be the Antichrist, and he's going to come in and he's going to offer the peace and safety, and everybody's going to bow down to him, and, and, and at that moment, the world's going to say, finally, we've got it, peace and safety. This is what we've been asking for for all these years, and we don't have to listen to Christians, and he's made everything perfect within the world. But then sudden destruction comes upon them. And this sudden destruction is an unexpected ruin. You know, there's, there's, there's without warning, it's just unexpected. It comes down and bam, everything is starting to happen. It comes upon them and as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, um, they shall not escape. Is labor pains light? Any ladies who've had children, you know? Yeah. There's a reason women have babies and not men because we'd all be, you know, have one child. We'd be single children households because... Guy would be like, I ain't doing that again. I'm out, man. Labor pains, labor pains are strong. Labor pains are consistent. And a lot of people try to say, well, we're going through labor pains now. But for the, you ladies who have had, had have had children, you know, there's a difference between the early labor pains and the labor pains of, hey, this baby's coming. I mean, it 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 grows, you know, and it and it and it, it it's it's a difference. There's a strongness to it. But the thing with labor pains is that that inevitably something's going to happen. You know, that baby's coming. And the same thing with the labor pains of this world. The, the Lord is coming. The Lord is going to come. And when we start seeing that happen, it's inevitable at that moment. The, the Lord will come down and, and everything will com- be completely changed and, and that there will be no escape. There's no way of getting away from it. And, and as you, the, the people are going to be running away, it says in Revelation six fifteen through 16, it says, And the kings of the earth... 
The great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves. Everybody, everybody in the world hid themselves in caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. There's no possibility of getting away from it. And at that moment, at the end times, everybody's going to be running and trying to do whatever they possibly can to get away from the judgment of the Lord. But there's no way to do it. And again, I mean, in one of those times where you're like, hey, Kevin, you're getting on one of those little weird things because, you know, that's still, that's not a really good way to, to, to increase church attendance is to talk about end times. It's not really a good way to, because you, you sound like a little weird. But again, as a church, we have to sit back and go, we have to take in the full counsel of what the Bible says. If we truly believe, and we're, we're a church that truly believes that we're in end times, well, then don't we as a church need to be like the, the church of, Thessal- of the, Thess- the Thessalonians, say that one time, Jeremy, the Thessalonians, you know, that are you going to, are, are we going to be well taught that we're going to be prepared? Or are we going to hide in ignorance and not talk about it? And allow then the world just to, to march off into end times and, and not have an idea of what's going to happen? We're Christians. We've been called to be a light of the world. And we're supposed to be going out and we're supposed to be telling people what the full counsel of God says. And it's not just that God is love, but guess what? God is a God of wrath. And God's going to bring it down upon the earth. Why? Because we deserve it. We're sinners. We've walked away from the Lord. But he says in verse 4, it goes on, it says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. We're not in the darkness. It means to be given up to the power of darkness, the spiritual ignorance. How many Christians or churchgoers are ignorant of what, this, of what just the scriptures say? You know, I joked around and thought about, hey, let's, let's take a test. Anyone want to take a test right now? You know, see how ignorant we are in the scriptures? And that would be all of us, okay? So I'm not just saying you. I'd fail half of it too. But, but it's, the point is, are, why are we then ignorant? Why do we then, we have the, the, the word of God that we know is true. We know that this is the, the life. We know that this is everything that we possibly need to do to know to walk through life. We don't have to buy the How to Get Through Life you know, book of for dummies. We don't have to buy that. Okay, We just have to buy one of these or get the free one on your phone. There's like 4,000 different versions of it. And, and just read it on a consistent basis. But yet we'll, we'll take other time, you know, and I'll use myself and John as, as, instead, is, but we'll know more about football you know, than we will about other subjects as far as the Bible. So my focus will be on football and I'll make sure I know about that and I'll look on SI.com and I'll check on different things as far as that. But how much time did I spend on that as opposed to what I spent on the word? You know, and fill in yours, whatever blank that you got, whatever, you know, for Alex, it might be baseball. You know, did you watch the league championships last night? Any of them? Not last night, but the other night you did, right? So, and that's fine. It's not wrong with having a hobby. You know, if you want to do the, what were they doing? The, the ladies were doing the, painting thing, whatever. If that's your hobby, you know, we got sports, we got painting, whatever it is. So whatever it is, that's fi- it's fine to have hobbies. Again, if we get back to it, where's your heart? And as, as we, but we, you brethren are not in darkness, is, is there a difference between us and the world? I think that's my, my we're reading, the guys are reading uh, uh, The Storm by Jim Cimbala on, on Monday nights. And, and as I continue to read this, you know, where's the difference between us and the world? 
You know, if we're if we're not in darkness, man, there's a lot of times where I don't see the difference between us and the world. You know what I mean? Do you guys ever feel that way? That there's if you look at the church in general, not you personally, you know, I would never say that about you, but I'm just saying that the church in general, a lot of times there's not a lot of difference between us and them. You know, there's 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 a lot of light missing within the church. And so well then if we're if we're brethren and we're not supposed to be walking in darkness, then how do we get that out of there? Did you know that the the only reason that you have darkness and this is a scientific fact, Jonathan, um, is that there's a lack of absence of light. Do you know that? That it's not darkness that overtakes light. It can't do that. Darkness isn't darkness doesn't have a power. There's no there's no energy. There's nothing there. It's actually the light that overtakes darkness. So if we're in a world and you say, "Oh, the world's dark," well, it's our fault, right? Because we're the light of the world. So if we're supposed to be walking in the world and and we move out, it's it's only the light that takes away the darkness. So as Paul's moving on here, he says, so, but you brethren are not in darkness, talking to this church, so that this is the day that so that this day should overtake you as a thief. So as he's talking to him, say, look, look, you guys, look, you're walking in the light. Okay, don't be in the darkness. You're not in the darkness. So that this day, what day? The day of the Lord, okay, that we just talked about, okay? So as he's moving forward, he says, look, that day is not going to overtake you because I know it. I've trained you. I taught you. You guys are walking that walk. So as we move on in our life, so as we're walking through this, if we're the light, then it's not going to overtake us. But then as we're the light, we need to be in the world so that 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 light continues to shine. You know, this little light of mine, what's a little kid song? You know, I'm going to blow it out. What is it, Christine? I'm going to let it shine. Hide under a bush? No. No. So. I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> I would rather be on that day of the Lord doing something for the Lord than doing something in the dark. Each one of us has sins in our life. Each one of us has things that we're doing on that day when the Lord sounds the trumpet, I would rather be walking victoriously than walking in shame at that moment and doing something that I shouldn't be doing. I don't want to go and get the, hear the horn and have to go up there to heaven like this. Jesus, I'm sorry. You know, you got me at a bad time, man. I was just, I'd rather be making sure that I'm walking in that, that right walk. And again, each one of us in this room, it's, it's not like one person I'm thinking of we all have sin. We all have things that we're working through. I just want to be that one that's at that time to make sure that I'm walking that light, that wire. Verse 5 says, For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are Christians. We are that light. And the saving truth that embodied in Christ and by His love to, to effort imparted to mankind, we, we, are, we are the walking part of Christ to this world. And as we are sons of light and the sons of the day, we are not of the night nor of the darkness. Today, the day is regarded as a time for abstaining from indulgence, vice, crime, because acts of the sort are, are perpetrated at night and in darkness. Typically, when you when something goes down, is it at twelve o'clock in the afternoon or twelve o'clock at night? Okay, when when people are out drinking and carousing and stuff like that, is that typically done at twelve o'clock in the afternoon? Or is it typically done at 12 o'clock at night? Okay, we all know that. I have, one, I have lots of little mottos in my life. One is, um, you never chinch. You, know, you, spend, you, don't, you don't get cheap on shoes and your bed. Okay? Because if you're not in one, you're in the other. Okay? So that's one thing that just, I live my life by. You get, buy shoes, you can buy good shoes. You can buy a bed, you buy a good bed. Because if I'm not in one, I'm in the other one. Okay? Um, another one is, 
is uh, nothing good happens after 12 o'clock. Nothing good happens after 12 o'clock. Anybody testify to that? I, I will testify that personally. Just nothing good when you see the news. What time were they out and they were doing that? One o'clock in the morning. You're like, seriously? I mean, it's just, it's just obvious. You know, so I don't even want to be on the road doing nothing wrong after 12 o'clock because I'm like, that other guy is out here that shouldn't be out after 12 o'clock, okay? I'm going to be part of his, you know, his, his little learning experience, and I don't want that. So nothing good happens after midnight. So as he's talking here, he says, look, so the sons that we are not of the night nor of the darkness, therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us be watchful and sober. So he's asking and saying, look, you know, sleep to, is, the, there's several sleeps in this, and they all have different meetings, by the way. It's kind of cool. So therefore, let us not sleep. The sleep here in verse 6 says, to yield to sloth and sin and be indifferent to one's salvation. He's saying, so they're, they're not only just, it's not just slothful in work, but they're just in life. They're just kind of like, they're indifferent. Like I was talking about earlier, maybe some of us in this room are just kind of gray right now. It's gray outside. My, man, my, my walk is just kind of gray, you know. Or maybe you're just not even a Christian in here today and you're like, you know what, just kind of gray in life. It's just walking. I'm just kind of doing what I'm doing. It's not that you're against everything. You're just kind of, it's just, I'm just slothful to it. I'm just indifferent to it. I don't know. You know, it might be true. It might not. But I don't really, I don't know. So you're kind of just, you're just here this morning even and you're sleeping through it. You're sleeping through not just life and through my wonderful message, but you're also sleeping through the fact of, of salvation is knocking at the door. And that Jesus Christ is knocking at your heart and saying, look, this is it. This is the message that I have been waiting for you to hear. Turn over to Ephesians 5. Sorry, I should have had you turn there before. Ephesians 5. <clears throat> Starting in verse 8, I was going to start in verse 1. You guys should read that. Read all of 5 when you get home. It's a great chapter. But start in verse 8, though. It says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak to those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake you sleep, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Back in verse in verse eight there it says, For once you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So once all of us in this room Either you are now or you be once were because we're Christians. Once before Christ, we were all in that darkness. We were all walking our life and we did not have the, the, the illumination of the Lord. We didn't have the Holy Spirit in us to bring to light. Hey, you shouldn't be doing that thing. Or hey, stop doing that thing. Or hey, what's going on over here? Hey, you didn't even see this, but you should start working on this area. You got a little pride going on over here. And, and this is just what that Lord and I go through every day. You know, it's just kind of, hey, you know, this, this, and this, and this. And it's, it's a lot for him to, to teach into me every day. But that's just what we do so it's um so once we were in the darkness but now we're in the light and, and as you come to know jesus it's it's not a fact of oh well i'm a christian i can't do those things anymore no, i have i have complete ability to do anything actually as a christian we have the ability to do anything I mean, if you think about it, i'm i'm forgiven of my sins but it's a point of i know what jesus went through that i choose not to do those things 
So when somebody says, oh, you're a Christian, you can't do that. No, actually, I can do it. You shouldn't do it because you're going to go to hell for it because you're, you're a sinner, you know, and you don't have the blood of Jesus Christ to wash you clean. I have the blood to wash me clean. I could do that, but I choose not to because I know what sacrifice it costs for him to allow me to do it. So as we now walk in this light and the Holy Spirit comes upon us and he starts walking through our day-to-day things, we start saying... We're supposed to be walking as the children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So it's awesome to be able to walk through your life and go, man, look at all this freedom that I have, and I get get to walk in it, and it's acceptable unto God. And that's just a wonderful, humbling thing to be able to know that I can have communion with the Lord, I can be walking in the right way, and, and be able to go to bed at night and sleep well. I have a guy that I used to work with that used to just... This dude lied about everything. I mean, literally everything. When he was selling something, lie. I mean, it just started off, it was just lie. We would have stuff in inventory, and he would make up lies of why we didn't have an inventory. It's going to take a couple of days to ship it out. I'm like, Jerry, what are you doing? We have it out there. Are you, why are you lying? Stop lying. I mean, it's just he just liked to lie. That was his thing, you know? So he was not walking in that way, but be able to, to for us as Christians to walk in our life and to know that, man, I, I'm doing the right things. And to have peace with God. I mean, it's, again, it's not that the Lord, you know, the Lord saves us and, and that's miraculous enough. But then to know that God loves you enough to then to be able to continue to work on you every single day of your life. And that he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants to hear about those sorrows. And he wants to hear about those, those heartbreaking things. And he wants to be joyous with you at all those other things. He, he's just that active in your life that we, as we walk in the light, man, that's a great thing. And as you walk in the light, people should see that. People should see the walk in a Christian's life and be able to point them out directly and say, oh, that dude's a Christian right there. Well, how do you know that? You see the way he's talking. You see the way he acts. I mean, that's a, there's a difference within our walk. Again, it's, it, we shouldn't be walking as in the darkness. We should be walking in the light that people should be able to see the difference between us and them. So as he says, do not sleep, okay? He's telling you to wake up, to be sober. Sober here doesn't mean just to be lack of, of alcohol. Sober means to be calm and to be collected in your spirit, okay? Now, if you're on a lot of alcohol, it's kind of had be hard to be calm and collected in spirit, but to be calm and collected in spirit. And the one thing that I wrote here also in one of the things, it says, it doesn't mean to be not humorless, okay? Which I was like, Phew, you know, I can still have some fun. So you can still, still have humor, still have fun, still joke around, but the point is to be still collected, when the world is falling apart in your life, are you like, ah, I'm going crazy, you know, running all over the place? Or are you, you know what? I, I don't know what the answer is. I have a guy that, I'm <laughs> picking up the pace here. I have a guy that I talked to at the auction. Um, his name is Tim, an um, older gentleman, senior saint, as some people would say. He's um, had a prostate problem, okay? And as a guy, you're like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. But um, so he had a prostate problem. So he went and, and he found out, and the doctor's like, look, this is, this is the bad news, you know? He's like, okay. And, and so he just looked at his wife, and she's like, well, what are we going to do? You know, the guy gave him a couple different options. He's like, I don't know. I know the one thing that we're going to do, we're going to go home, and we're going to bathe in prayer. And I was like, that is awesome. Tim, that is, that is awesome. You know, and it just, he went to church that weekend, you know, after they'd been praying about it for several days, ran into a guy in his Bible study. The guy was like, oh, don't do those things. You got to do this. This is the best thing. This is proton therapy. It's all new. Go up there. And he went to Jacksonville. I mean, it was just, it's just an incredible thing. He didn't freak out. I mean, life changing information there, you know, hey, you've got cancer, you know, ah, you know, go crazy. No, he's a Christian. What are you going to do? I know I'm going to go bathe in prayer because I know the Lord has the answer for me. And that's what it's about. It's being sober and being understanding of what it is that we've been called to do. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk 
are drunk at night. Okay, again, that's if they're gonna so you're gonna sleep, where do you typically sleep at night? If you're gonna get drunk, you're gonna drunk at night. So it's gonna be completely opposite of what the Christian does. Why? Because we're gonna be a sober, we're gonna be awake, and we're gonna be in the light, and we're gonna be making changes within the world so that when those other people come into the uh, under our, our path, and as he goes to Jacksonville and he did his therapy, he was then able to minister to other men. Because he had, how, well, how, what happened when you found out? Oh, this is what we did. My wife went home and I, and we prayed about it and the Lord just directed us here. And then he's able then to turn around and he's able to minister to other people. That's what it's about. It's called being in the light. As we push on to verse chapter, or chapter 8, verse 8, sorry, back into First Thessalonians. It says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, what, that whether we, or we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. It says, verse 8, it says, but let us be of the day. Well, how are we going to be sober? And he kind of lets you know that here as he goes into the, the to verse 9. He says, um, or sorry, verse 8, he says, by putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And so you guys, you guys know that there's a you know there's the armor of God and all that kind of stuff. And um, kids learn that in little school stuff like that. But anyway, so the breastplate of faith. What is a if he's using an illustration at this point? He's what do they know? They know Roman soldiers. They know soldiers that are around them, telling them what to do and not to do. So as he looks at that, he looks at him and says, "Hey, look! They put on the breastplate of, of of faith. What does the breastplate cover? It's right here, huh? Louder, heart. Thank you." So puts on the it covers your heart, okay? Can you live without your heart? No, you gotta you gotta beat, right? Because otherwise nothing else works. And so you gotta have it protects your heart. And and the faith the faith here is the faith that Jesus is Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. So without our heart, without our heart working and with our heart having faith, we don't have the faith in that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Well, without that, then we have no eternal salvation, correct? And then the next thing, what is our heart also known for? Our heart is known for love. And the love is the affection or the benevolence. It's a brotherly love. It's being able to come alongside somebody and, and, just, and just love on them. You know, it's a love feast is another definition for it. And so as I see somebody going through something, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to love on them. And I'm going to care for them. And I'm going to give them this, this faith that I have and the salvation that I believe in. And you're going to sit down and you're going to take the time to minister to them because you've got your breastplate on and it protects your heart. Well, the next thing that we need to have to be sober is we need to have the helmet. And the helmet protects our cranium. cranium. Thank you. Head, sir. <laughs> cranium is not in my notes. It protects your, protects your head. It's funny up here. I don't have we. I just have E. I was like, whom E we obtain. So it protects your head. And the head is your logic, correct? It's kind of like your logically how you think things through and how we think ourselves into salvation and out of salvation. Or, well, no, that can't be true. Well, the hope is within your head. The hope is the expectation of good. It's the eternal salvation. It's a hope of knowing that, hey, look, I can't explain everything. I can't. I, I, people, I'm very honest with people. You know, when we talk to people that, that believe in creation versus, you know, and evolution, that evolutionists, when they say, hey, look, well, where did God come from? I don't have an answer to that. Is anybody there? I, I don't have the answer to that. You know, I know that I always say, well, where did the Big Bang come from? Because they don't have the answer for that too. But sometimes you just have to know that it's just faith that we walk by. I don't have an answer. This doesn't say, the Bible isn't given us to us to give us every single answer to every single question. It gives us the answers that we need to lead us to salvation so that we can go to heaven. 
The, the, the question of the Bible is not going to give you the answers exactly of where God came from because we don't need to know that right now. It's not what we've been. It's not the information that we've been downloaded with. You know, there's not a little thing that you push on your computer and like, doop. You know, oh, yeah, well, that answer is this. He didn't do that for us because some of it has to be walked out by faith and, and within our salvation, and we have to have a hope. And where is our hope? In our hope is only in Christ. Our hope it isn't in what the wonderful things that I can do here. The hope isn't in you know the amazing things that I'm able to do with my my fleshly body. It's it's what which is deteriorating quickly. So thankfully, I have a hope within Jesus Christ. I have a hope within the salvation of the Lord to know that he's the one that's going to be able to work through me. Verse 9 says, since, for, and there it says, for God, and that for is since. And the since goes back up to, since we have this breastplate of faith and love, and, as, and we have the hope, of, the helmet of the hope of salvation, since we have that, we know that God did not appoint us for wrath. And wrath, again, is, is coming from God. It's the wrath. It's the end times. It's a, the day of the Lord where he's going to sit down and he's going to take the remember, take, reach down into to history and he's going to ju- make judgment for those that are against him, pull us out of here, and then set up his kingdom. That's the wrath that he's about to do. So we know that we, God did not appoint us to that because we have those things there. So it says, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through our salvation couple things right there is that our, our, our set to obtain our salvation is 1 Corinthians 6.20 says we have been purchased. Who have we been purchased by? By Jesus, by his blood, by the things that he did on the cross. And it says also in Romans 5.8 it says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus steps down and says he does all these things for us that while we were still sinners, it wasn't the fact that you guys had to go out and make yourself all nice and clean and then come to church and say, hey, look, I'm good. I haven't sinned today and uh, I got, took a really good shower this morning and I want to get saved today. I'm good before God. It's not that. It's that fact that while we were still sinners that God said, look, I love Andy Cap so much, I'm going to die on the cross right now for him. I'm going to go right now for him and I'm going to do it. I know, I know the things that he's going to do and I know the things that he's done, but, but man, I, I, that's the guy that I'm going to die for and I love him. But that, and that's the reason that we don't have to go through the wrath. We watched part of Unbroken the other night. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys have seen it. It was the movie the guy was an Olympus, Olympic, Olympic athlete, went to World War II, was in a Japanese prison camp, and um, we just saw the Japanese prison camp part, which probably enough at that point. But um, just the, the beatings that this man took and, and underneath the, the Japanese rule that he had at that time, especially this one um, person that was in charge, uh, just the, the beatings, the the just the suffering that he took. I mean, it was just amazing to watch that this man, and it's a true story, that he would continue to, to live out his faith. And he didn't even have a faith in God at that time. But he would not be unbroken. He would not, he would not bow down to what this guy was asking. He was going to prove to him that he was stronger than this guy. I mean, it's just amazing the, the battle that the two of them had, between, you know, just mentally. And, and to think that as bad as that was, that's still nothing compared to the wrath that's going to come down upon this world. And it's a wrath that's going to come down in this world from, from the Lord because, again, it's, it's a deserving world. We've earned it. You know, I, I joke around. I'm in, I'm in car sales. Um, and some people say, oh, car sales, they don't, have a lot of, they don't have a good name. And I'm like, you know what? We've kind of earned it. I mean, for the most part, most car sales people are, are not telling the truth. They're lying. They're doing whatever they can. And so it's just a fact. You know, most lawyers don't have you know, a good name either. You know, and they don't pick on them. They just pick on car sales people. But um, so it's, it's a point of, well, we've earned it. You know, well, the, the earth has earned it. The earth has earned the fact that they are such a, a sinful way and that it's just continuing to get worse. 
I mean, the, the persecution is coming for us. If you think that it's just going to get better and it's going to be warm and fuzzy, it's not. I mean, the day is coming in this country where it's going to happen. And I, you know, a few years ago, you're kind of like, oh, it's alarmist. And, you know, I'm all, I was like that with too. I'm like, oh, just calm down, you know, tone it down a little bit. But it's just getting worse. And you see it within just everyday society where people just, you know, mock you or mock God or just the fact that there is no God. There can't be a God. And they just want to live their own way that, however that is. And they don't want to have anything. Well, then at some point, do you not think that the Lord will then sit there and say, that is it. I'm done. I'm not going to be mocked by a creation that I created. And then, and have, again, if I go back to my own children, if they were continue to treat me that way, you know, they're not going to be in my house for long. Why? Because I'm not going to do those things and have you treat myself or my wife in a certain way when we've actually given you life and breath and fed you and clothed you and taken care of you. It's just not going to happen. And so at some point, the Lord, to be just, to be honorable, to be true, has to do the same thing with us. Well, hopefully it's not us. The neat thing, uh, David Guzik, he's a commentary, has a commentary out. It says, Christ's death, Christ died, his death, so ours could be called sleep. You know, many times in the Bible when it talks about the saints that were asleep, it's because we're asleep because at some point we're going to be in heaven. We're going to wake up there, right? So you die here. Well, I didn't die. I just went to sleep quickly and then I wake up in heaven. So Christ's death, his de- he died so that our death would only be called a sleep, that we get to wake up in heaven. And I just thought it was a neat perspective on that. Verse 11 goes on. It says, Therefore comfort each mother, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as also as you are doing. And to comfort... Comfort means to exhort and to encourage. Uh, edify is to, to promote in a Christian um, wisdom, to promote affection, grace, virtue, holiness, and blessedness. And, and this is the calling that, that we have on our lives. Uh, you know, a lot of people look on it and say, well, that's, that's the pastor's job. Um, that's the, you know, pastor's wife's job, or that's a, a leadership position job that they need to do. Um, but that's not true. What it says here is, he didn't says, you know, therefore leadership, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. You know, just as you only are doing. He didn't even say that. But that's a calling for all of us. And it's a calling that, again, that your ministry first starts within your households, and then it, and then it spreads out, I would say to you, to your neighbors and those people that are around you. Because of those people that you have an effect on immediately, and your coworkers, and as your coworkers come around you, and there's issues in their life, you should be the one that, that they call upon. You know, a long time ago, I was in Fort Lauderdale. I was in uh, softball league with the church, and um, it was funny how when we first started off, and I don't know if I told the story or not before. We started off. We were we were in just a bar league. I mean, bars and strip clubs and Calvary Chapel. You know, it was kind of fun. So, um, so here are all these big muscle guys and drinking and everything else. And there was Calvary Chapel team. So they used to laugh at us and stuff like that. Oh, I didn't kill them. It's not a big deal this week. Well, as the seasons went on, we got better. You know, and and you know, we used to always do a devotion beforehand. We'd ask any of the guys over, Hey, we're going to pray after the game. Do you guys want to come over and pray with us? And you know, oh, I don't know. We're fine. You know. As the seasons went on and the years went on, we actually got pretty good. I mean, we would win several of the seasons. I mean, we were not to brag, but we were pretty awesome. But it was, um, so, <laughs> they don't play anymore, so the God can't, you know, take away my softball ability right now. So, so we were pretty awesome, but we, were, we, we would win. But it was great because then, as the years went on, there was a respect within them. And, and the umpire would come over and say, hey, could you pray for my, my, my grandson? He took a spill and he's in the hospital right now. And, and, and he needs prayer. And we wouldn't let him walk away. Let, yeah, we'd grab him and we'd have him come in and we'd pray with him. 
you know, after the game, some of the guys from the other teams would come over and they would pray with us. Well, that's being a difference. That's how taking an opportunity to be in the world and to know that that's our job. Our job is to turn around and to do those things and to encourage people and to encourage each other. We should be in a point within our own lives here as Christians, as a, as a church, to be able to look at each other. And, and, and if I need something, I should be able to call Gordon up. Or, you know, if Alex needs something, he should be able to call, you know, Jeremy up. Or his dad. You know, I mean, just it's an opportunity to say, hey, look, we're, we're co-laboring in this together. How do we lift each other up? And how do we promote these things? How do we, how do we edify each other? How do we comfort each other when we're going through issues? Well, it's only done through the church. And if you go back to Acts, and we'll go there right now, if you go back to the Acts in the beginning of the church, well, that's what they did. They fellowshiped, they continued in prayer and worship. Let's pray.